I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm here with Dan Lukowitz. Uh, Dan is a, a seasoned real estate investor with over 15 years of experience and, and looking at this bio, Dan, it looks like you've got uh, a ton to talk about here. So I'm really excited to hear your story. Um, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So if you would, maybe just give us, give us a, a background. Let us know, you know, kind of your start into real estate and kind of what, what you've been doing and, and everything. And then we'll, we'll talk about whatever, um, whatever seems like a good, a good path to follow. Sure. Yeah. So I'm Dan Lukowitz. I'm the senior director of the Lukowitz Group at Encore Real Estate Investment Services. We're a commercial real estate investment sales brokerage. We specialize primarily in net lease. We do sell a lot of uh, hospitality deals. Um, you know, hotels, pharmacies, medical office buildings. We do a lot of quick service restaurants, dollar stores, uh, industrial products, uh, and, and things like that. I'm also the CEO of the CRE Pro Course, which is a suite of services that provides training and educational content for commercial real estate investors and brokers. Um, married to my lovely wife, Brady. We live in, in Birmingham, Michigan, four kids. Um, and you know, love, love everything, real estate. Yeah. Awesome. That, that's actually very cool. I, I haven't had anyone on the show yet that has had, uh, in the like triple net lease space, like that sort of the hospitality, we haven't talked about any of that. So this will be, be really cool. Um, yeah. well, how did you get started? I mean, how, I often wonder, you know, you talk to the brokers, obviously that the broker relations are a big part of, of commercial real estate, but I, I often wonder kind of what gets you started there. How, do, how does that kind of, how do you fall into that? Yeah, good question. I mean, I think I used to have a different answer. I think that I can give you an answer on, you know, the actual activities that I did that got me started years ago. But really, if I think back, you know, I've got family members that were involved in real estate for as long as I can remember. Um, my parents, when, when I was born, they had a, a rental property um, in a really nice area, probably about six, seven miles from where I live currently off the Woodward Corridor in Ferndale uh, here in Michigan, episode number 131 on my show on danonpop.com. She's 96 years old and she um, has been flipping houses since she came to this country in the 1950s, which is pretty incredible for That's someone amazing. who didn't, didn't speak. Yeah, she didn't speak any English and, and she was running around figuring things out. Myself personally, I really got my start in, I would say around 2005. I, I started a company in 2005 with some friends called Disability Made Easy which was a barrier-free home modification company. I ran the sales and marketing. I've always had a, a knack for sales and enjoyed marketing and, and networking and selling things. We started this construction company that was designed to modify homes and make them handicap accessible for individuals that had terminal illness or disability. Um, my, my best friend's father uh, was, was in that position and we watched him struggle with um, modifying his home and dealing with many different contractors in addition to the challenges of, of living with a terminal illness. Um, so we started that company and I, I remember I was driving with the project manager who we had hired. We went out to a property 
I got out of the car with him. And to me, it just looked like an old, you know, dilapidated home that was functionally obsolete. And I was kind of scratching my head, wondering what we were doing there. And um, we got out of the car, the project manager took out some graph paper and uh, a pencil. And in about 45 seconds, he sketched out a whole new front elevation for the property, redesigning the, the entrance and, and where the windows and doors were. And for me, it was a moment that I'll never forget because I, I witnessed this ability to take something that I thought was, you know, I had written it off. I thought it was functionally obsolete. And he made it uh, useful and, and adaptive and purposeful for his, his um, I apologize, he, he made it useful and, and adaptive and purposeful for his uh, use for, for this, this individual. And I remember that that moment really stuck with me. I recognized that there was an opportunity to take things and renovate them and make them you know, more applicable for, for, their, for their, the, their highest and best use. So you know, fast forward a couple of years, I ended up starting to, you know, purchase my first home for my family at the time and had a similar experience. I was going to buy a property that was ready to go, that was, you know, move in ready. And I, I uh, was told that there was a, a lender that had an asset just a couple blocks away that was, in, you know, that they had held on their books as, you know, REO, real estate owned property by the bank, contacted the lender, uh, put in an offer and bought that property, renovated it. And I really got my first taste for, for being hands-on with a, you know, a property renovation. And um, at the time, I remember my friends would ask me, you know, Dan, what are you going to do? They'd joke with me, what are you going to do when you finish renovating your house? And I would say, you know, buy another one. And that's exactly what I did. I bought another one, another one, another one. I started you know, flexing my relationships with individuals that I'd worked with, started raising capital. And uh, you know, here we are today, we're in Birmingham, and I've got you know, people or uh, an individual downstairs who's helping to, to renovate the, the lower level of this property. So that really got me into real estate investing and recognizing that real estate was not only an incredible asset in and, in and of itself in its own right, but also had an opportunity to take something, add a little value, and then the sum of the initial thing and the added value is much less than, than the final product. So that's really what got me into real estate investing. Um, you know, obviously you could share a lot of stories of my experience along the way doing that, you know, the ups and the downs. Um, eventually, I got into commercial real estate brokerage, where I started brokering transactions, um, you know, multi-million dollar uh, properties. And I just recognized that the, the opportunity as a broker was different, but in my eyes, a lot better for me at that point in my life than just flipping houses. So that really, you know, transitioned me into the, the brokerage world. And, um, you know, through, through that, I was able to actually uh, take the systems and, and, power, and, and procedures and documents that, that I created over the years and, and create an actual course that now is used to train individuals who are in commercial real estate investing and brokerage. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. You're, so when you, when you got into, you know, sort of being, being the commercial real estate broker and you, why did you choose, why did you choose the asset class that you chose, right? Like, so there's, there's, yeah. you know, industrial, there's uh, multifamily, there's self-storage, what uh, mobile home parks. I mean, there's so many different classes. Why did you choose, you know, sort of in particular the the, the triple net least space? What, what what drew you to that? So, admittedly, I didn't choose it. It kind of chose me. Uh, at the time, I was flipping houses, but I was also employed full time at Amazon as a business development executive. I was um, working with a sales team here in Detroit, and we were onboarding companies on the the Amazon.com you know business marketplace. And I was actually uh, approached by a triple net brokerage here locally. And they had a good name as one of the leaders in, in that boutique space of, of absolute triple net. And it's kind of funny because at first I was like, this does not make any sense. I'm used to like 30 or 35 cap deals, you know, in the middle of the recession in Detroit, right? Yeah. And now I'm looking at people are going to spend at the time 6 or 7% return for a Walgreens or a, or a Taco Bell. It didn't make a lot of sense to me at all. 
I did talk to my dad about it and he gave me a great analogy. He said, you know, if you've got a piece of dirt and Amazon is going to come in and build a warehouse there, Amazon is a blue ribbon credit tenant, probably one of the best tenants you could have. Now that dirt and that building is worth a lot more because you've got the guarantee of that corporate tenant that's probably not going anywhere. And I, I kind of scratched my head and said, okay, you know, that kind of makes sense. And this brokerage um, was, had, had a good reputation for what they were doing. Um, and I just, I really didn't know much about NetLease at the time. So to me, I, you know, I saw, I knew multifamily because I had dabbled in it and I understood it. But the idea of this institutional grade real estate, you know, not that multifamily can't be institutional grade if you have, you know, more than 250 units. But, you know, the fact that everywhere you go, every major city, you've got a Walgreens on the corner, you've got a Taco Bell, you've got a Wendy's, you've got a Dollar General. And, and net lease is really the backbone in many cases of the U.S. economy. I mean, these are credit tenants that in many cases are bond grade real estate, right? So from my perspective, I just saw the amount of capital that went into the net lease space every year. And the whole brokerage idea intrigued me. I had wholesale, I had wholesaled um, residential deals before and I got my license as, a, as a, a residential real estate agent. But, you know, those commissions were, you know, relatively small. When I started looking at these massive deals, you know, 10, 20, 30, $50 million and recognize that I could broker those and be in the middle of a transaction, um, not have any money out of pocket and not have any risk. To me, it was, it was exciting and it was interesting. And, you know, I started looking at some of the larger real estate investment trusts and many of these, these REITs were heavily invested in net lease. So for me, I try not to reinvent the wheel. I try to follow the money. And when I was seeing, you know, $400 million being poured into this space every year, it just, it just, I'm sorry, did I say 400 million? <laughs> when I, when I saw an industry that has, has several, you know, I don't know what the, what the actual number is, but in terms of, I would say that, that the amount of capital that goes into net lease every year is, is along the order of hundreds of billions of dollars. And, you know, it, to me, it just represented a lot of opportunity. It was very intriguing. I started talking to people who own this property and they said, yeah, I'm done. I'm done with multifamily. I'm done with flipping. I'm done with you know, mobile home parks, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. This is the asset class that I'm retiring in. To me, it started to really pique my interest. Yeah, make, makes sense. Maybe uh, probably for people who listening don't know, can you describe what triple net lease means? I think it, it's, yeah. like I said, you're the first person we've had on here to talk about this. So um, kind of give give a little bit of a overview of what that means to to both maybe from the investor side and from the uh, owner of that that asset as well. Sure. So we, I like to come to teach things sometimes by, by uh, way of contrast. So most people are familiar with multifamily. So multifamily, you'll have a building that has income coming in every year. So let's just keep simple, basic, small numbers. So let's say there's a building that's two and a half million dollar building, and it's bringing in $125,000 of rent annually. Okay. So the, the building itself, the gross collected rents are 5% of the price. We might have a Wendy's, right, that's on a main-on-main -main corridor in a major market in, in, in Michigan, for example, $2.5 million. It brings in $125,000 of gross rent, also a 5% gross return. So if you look at the multifamily, you're going to have a lot of expenses. So you'll have things like capital expenditures or, or replacement reserves. You might want to put some money aside for a roof replacement or a boiler replacement or repainting or repaving of the parking lot. You're also going to have a management fee. You'll probably have a certain five or 10% that you set aside for vacancy. You'll also have to deal with, you know, lease turnover and, um, you know, you have to, to find different tenants and, and advertising and marketing. You're also gonna have to pay for taxes, 
pay for insurance, you have to pay for other common area maintenance, snow plowing, grass cutting, you know, all those different expenses. A typical rule of thumb in many cases in multifamily is that the gross collected rents, if they're 125,000, you might have 50% of that going to expenses. So at the end of the day, you might have $67,500. So in that example, the actual cash on cash return would be two and a half percent. So let's go back to the net lease deal that Wendy's absolute triple net, which we'll explain in a second. It's a main on main corner in Michigan and a major market. So believe it or not, the word, the, the, the tenant Wendy's in this case, they actually pay for all of the expenses. So the, the reason that we call it triple net is that there's three different ends. So the gross collected rent of 125,000 actually becomes net to the investor. So the first net, the first N is the taxes and insurance. So your $125,000 is net to you, the investor, and the tenant pays for the taxes and insurance. The second N would be like the common area maintenance. Common area maintenance would be, you know, if there's another tenant involved and they share some space, or maybe there's some, you know, a mezzanine or a hallway or something like that. And then you also have the third net, which is the roof structure and parking. If there's a problem with the roof, the tenant pays it. Problem with the parking lot, it needs to be restriped, repaved, replaced, repaired. The tenant pays for that. And the same thing with the structure of the building. So there's many different types of net lease deals, okay, so to speak. The absolute triple net, the gold standard that, that, that is net to the investor, where the tenant pays for taxes, insurance, common area maintenance, roof structure, and parking means that there's no landlord responsibilities whatsoever. And that's one of the reasons it's such an attractive asset, Jason, is that people know what they're getting. You know you're getting that 125000 You don't have any ex you know, expectations that might come up or any unexpected things like management fees or vacancies or roof repairs or you know, repainting, things like that. So it's a very stable, secure, and predictable asset. And there's no landlord responsibilities whatsoever in an absolute triple net lease. That makes, that makes total sense. Thank you for that explain, explanation. Dan, I need to pause sure. this for just one second. Oh, you're all right. You're fine. Uh, sorry for that interruption. Um, but but again, thank you. Thank you for that explanation. I think that that's great. I mean, I think from a from a headache standpoint, right, that makes it a whole lot easier for the owner of that building if you don't have to deal with any of that sort of extra stuff, right? The tenant's going to take care of everything. Does that does that impact the returns? Do you expect like a lower return on a triple net lease than you would? in terms of like, yeah, or something like that? if you asked me that question five years ago, the answer would be yes. But what's absolutely incredible is that the markets have swung so much that in many cases, I think multifamily is oversaturated, especially from a syndication perspective. And we're looking at cap rates in multifamily. If you're on the West, I mean, if you're on the West coast where you are, you could be looking at three or four caps. Yeah. So it makes no, it, you know, to me, that makes net lease even more attractive. I would certainly rather have a five or five and a half cap corporately guaranteed Walgreens or Wendy's, let's say, that has absolutely no landlord responsibilities. It's a 20-year lease with rental escalations built in than a lesser returning multifamily that's going to have vacancy that maybe I can't even collect my rent because the government or the CDC or somebody says I can't and that's going to have all these unknowns. So, you know, like I said, five years ago, yeah, absolutely. You'd say that that diminished risk would also diminish your returns. But in today's market with multifamily being so, you know, compressed in the cap rates, in many cases, net lease actually provides a better return despite the stability and security and lower risk. So would you, I mean, this may be just, a, <laughs> this is a question I have because I want to know. So you were telling me it, and I would say if you found a four cap in here in Los Angeles, you'd be doing really well. That I mean, <laughs> generally they're, they're down like three or even a little below. 
unbelievable. Are you, so in Los Angeles, for example, I'm not sure if you're familiar, I mean, do you, you think I could get a triple net lease type of building at even that same sort of cap rate? Like that's what you're, you think is, is, that's what you're seeing as availability? So as an aside, we do sell in all 50 states. However, from my experience when reviewing our transactional history, we don't do a lot in California relative to other states. I do have a lot of clients in California. There's a lot of capital in California that invests elsewhere. Right. You know, and, and we could talk for hours about the, the Texodus or that Cal exit, as people call it. Uh, I'm not going to give you too much of a hard time being that I know that you live there. But um, you, you can definitely, I mean, I've, I've worked on deals in, in California that are in the, you know, in the fours or five caps. It depends on what you're looking at. I mean, if you're looking at a McDonald's or a Chick-fil-A, today's market, you'll be in the low fours, maybe even the high fives. But if you're looking at something that's a more, you know, traditional Wendy's or, uh, you know, a Walgreens or CVS, no doubt about it, you can get deals in the, even in the five cap range. And if you're willing to go into something like a dollar store or then into the world of multi-tenant net lease, you can certainly get things in the six or seven cap range. Um, there's going to be opportunity, you know, all the way up to maybe a 10 cap. Um, but again, in California, people should recognize that not only are the taxes higher and some of the policy, you know, pretty, pretty debatable, but the cap rates are traditionally significantly lower than in other countries and other, in other states. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that that's true, but it, it, you know, from a, again, not to harp on California, but there's, there's, very strict uh, landlord tenant laws and things like that. It's, 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 yes. it's, it's not nearly as uh, landlord friendly as like the Southeast and Midwest. And so if you're no looking at it from the standpoint of, you know, if I want to buy here something locally and I could buy a dollar general and not have to worry about that sort of landlord tenant friendliness or lack of friendliness, you know, I, that would be, uh, I think desirable for, you know, being able to invest kind of, you know, in your own backyard, so to speak, but it, it's an interesting thing. Honestly, I, w I wasn't aware of that. I, I, I guess I assumed that returns would be lower in that type of, that type of asset class, just because of the, the ease of it, I guess, you know, I, I know sure. uh, it's not completely, you know, when you, if you have to find a new <laughs> tenant in one of these, it takes longer than finding, you know, sort of your traditional apartment rental or something potentially like that. yeah but, but keep in mind also that uh largely you know cap rates in multifamily and in net lease are fueled by interest rates and really when we're talking about a non-cash only transaction when we're talking about a levered transaction an important metric is going to be the spread between your baseline interest rate and your cap rate so we're at historic lows for interest rates that that has driven down cap rates in net lease and multifamily alike really in all asset classes so you know especially today What's really important, aside from your cap rate, is going to actually be your rental escalations. I mean, we're looking at inflation four, five, six percent annually, and in many cases, um, the the uh, cap rates, you know, are are going to be. Um, sorry, I apologize. The uh, rental escalations are are typically going to be less than inflation, right? You're going to look at one and one percent, one and a half percent, two percent, maybe three percent if you're lucky. And, and really with this, this potentially hyperinflationary period that we're going into, it's important to analyze your leases and to, to work with a good broker to make sure that you're you know, hedging against inflation. Because if you've got a lease that has one and a half or 2% rental bumps and consumer pricing index and inflation is four, five, 6% over the next three to four years or, or longer, you're really gonna be making a significantly less cash on cash return when adjusted for inflation. Right, and so, when you're purchasing one of these, you know, sometimes they already have a lease in place and it, it could be, if it's oh, a yeah. long-term lease, 
then you are you may not have control over that right like if it's already right. built in at one and two percent but the in, as you said it's we're going into hyperinflation that wasn't anticipated when that lease was signed that could be potentially bad news i guess it, it all just depends on how you buy it right yeah it, it does but like the truth is is that and this is the cynic in me maybe coming out cpi typically somehow finds its way bag- magically back to 1.99%. And, you know, if you ask me, that's it's by design, right? If, if CPI, Consumer Pricing Index, gets too far out of line and it's at 4 or 5%, then the standard just changes. They say, oh, well, it used to be that we based this on, you know, this much corn and this many hogs. Well, now we're going to do it on, you know, this much wheat and this many, you know, this many cows. So, you know, CPI does magically find its way back to 1.99%. And, and you know, I say that really tongue-in-cheek because... I think the system is designed to do that. So, you know, I want to ease people's worries that if, if we do see consumer pricing index numbers that are well above what they've been for a few decades, that's, that's going to be expected. We do expect that they'll fall back into line, you know, in, 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 the, in the near term. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seems, well, I guess nobody knows what, what the future holds, but it does seem, you know, think things uh, seem to level themselves out over time. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Do you own any of these or are you, uh, you know, sort of strictly as a broker, do you have any of, have you kind of got, built your own portfolio in triple net lease? Yeah. So it's a good question. So um, I'm actually sitting, my wife is sitting here as well. And, you know, we have different perspectives on investing from in, in a certain sense. We've discussed net lease as, as a place, you know, in the future to, to invest capital. Um, it's a, it's a different type of holding. Currently we don't hold any net lease properties. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, my perspective, I, I kind of like the more hands-on approach to a certain extent. I'm a younger, I like to hustle and to, to, right. to do deals and maybe reposition them. I think I would sooner reposition a net lease deal, flip it, make some capital, reinvest, um, then invest in, uh, you know, directly into a, a net lease deal. I also happen to really like multi-tenant. I think that there's some great centers out there, you know, in the one to $3 million range that have, let's say between three and 10 tenants. And that, that can provide a seven and a half, eight, eight and a half percent return with upside, you know, due to potentially, you know, below market rents or vacancy or, you know, capital expenditure that could increase the, the cash flow after, you know, upping rents, things like that. I, I really like, I will say that, you know, I am a shareholder in certain publicly traded REITs. And, you know, I think that for, for now, it happens to be very difficult um, to beat a REIT because REITs are very well capitalized. They're very diversified. And quite frankly, they offer broker incentives to get deals that other um, other other investors can't get. So, you know, I I I would definitely like to have that discussion. Um, you know, and I believe that net lease is a great space to put capital in the long term. It's definitely a space that, that I'm going to be in at some point as a, as an investor. Yeah, awesome. I it's funny, you know, the the commercial real estate it's really very controlled by the brokers right it's you know that's how you find yeah. deals it's it's those broker relationships so i'm always struck with the question of any time i talk to a broker like why don't you just buy them all yourself and i know that's a <laughs> that's not necessarily yeah i don't have like 400 them. billion dollars right, right exactly right <laughs> it's not it's a it's a rhetorical question in the sense that you can't but, buy them all but yourself also here's here's the answer on that I can take the capital that I make in my brokerage business and redeploy it in things like hiring an assistant or, um, you know, investing in marketing or putting more dollars into my shows, um, things like that. And for me personally, that's a better ROI. Um, and that's just where I'm at at this point in my life. And it's the same reason that I wasn't, you know, when I was buying and flipping houses in Detroit, I wasn't really holding on to too many of them because 
from my perspective, if I could make a quick flip, take that capital, infuse it into my business to buy other things, then yeah, that that's something that that made more sense. I happen to be, you know, right now think that a great space. This is a, something that my wife and I talk about often is the vacation rental space and the you know the single family residential executive executive resi- rental uh, types of assets. I think that that's a that's a, a great opportunity right now, and I think that um, you know we're going to see rents going up all across the board, multifamily, net lease, and single family. So you know I think that that's one of the beauties of being a broker is that I get exposed to a lot of deals. And I do see things that other people don't see. So I have an opportunity, uh, you know, when I desire to, to make those types of investments. Yeah, yeah. And it's obviously, it's whatever whatever stage of your, you know, kind of investment philosophy that you're in, right? If you're, you're, yes. building, you're building capital, you want that transactional thing. If you're, you know, you, you said, so you, you mentioned earlier, you know, people are like, I'm retiring in triple net lease. It's like, it may, whatever your goal is at that point, it makes total sense, but it, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just nice to have, you know, you have access to those deals so you can kind of make those, you can, can sort of almost have first choice on, on how to, you know, what, how to make that decision as to how it's going to, if you're, if you want it, you see yes. it, you know, that you get access to it. So it's a pretty cool position to be in, I think. Um, well, Dan, let's, let's maybe switch gears a little bit here and we can kind of go into the section of, of uh, the show where I ask, you know, sort of a series of questions to each guest. Um, and the, the first one is related to the name of the show being Know Your Why. And, and so uh, what, what is your why, Dan? That's what, what drives you to, to success? Oh, good question. So three things that are very important to me are um, creating jobs, building small business and having a meaningful positive impact on, on the world economy. So those are, things that drive me to succeed and to push forward. I think also my why would definitely be my family. I mean, my wife and, and our kids are definitely a huge why. Um, you know, the things that I do or that we do together are what impact our quality of life and, and opportunities that we can provide for ourselves and for other people. I also would say that the students that I've you know, been able to um, you know, collect over the years are definitely a big why for me. Um, we're just launching a program at a, a large charter school here in Michigan, uh, an internship program and a training program where we're able to, you know, train high school juniors and seniors, which to me is super exciting. Yeah. You know, I, I, I love what I do with the CRE Pro course, but prior to this initiative, we were really training people that were in their, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 50s and 60s, people who were in a first, second career or, or maybe had, had already, you know, moved on and wanted to make a career change later in life. So, for me, that's a big why. I mean, I, I'm very thankful for the mentors and advisors that I've had over the years. If I would have um, been met with somebody who had a training program for commercial real estate investing and brokerage in high school, I mean, man, I can't imagine how much different my life would be. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think that's that's incredibly important. Just, you know, education, education in general, but but no, almost nobody gets any sort of financial education in, in high school, right. Or college or right. life in jet, right. It's like most people don't know about this stuff and they don't know the opportunities that are available to them. And the sooner in life they can take advantage, the better. So I, I love that. I love, I love what you're doing there with the, uh, the Thank high you. school students. That's, that's amazing. Um, second question, tell us something about yourself that maybe isn't common knowledge, special skill, a hobby, uh, you know, maybe mm. something that you're trying to, trying to pick up on something that the Good world question. doesn't know about you. Well, definitely it's special skill or talent would be guitar. I've been playing guitar since I was seven. And awesome. for me, it's, that's my, that's my healthy escape. You know, that's what I do when I want to decompress or think about something. I think it helps me to think abstractly and allows me to 
unplug or get into the kind of like a flow mentality in terms of something that people don't know about me? Ooh, that's a really good question. I don't know. What's a good question? Um, yeah, See, I'm not going to repeat what my what, wife said. But. I know. It's like, it depends what your wife wants to wants people to know. <laughs> yeah, low key. She says, keep that low key. Yeah. Um, let's see. I, I, how about this? I'm a rabbi. I, I lived in Israel for four years. I have rabbinical ordination from the uh, uh, chief justice of the Jerusalem Supreme Court and also from a pretty well-known um, rabbi in Israel. And um, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a little known fact, I guess. Yeah, no, that's that's super cool. Uh, I appreciate that. And I, I am not a good guitar player, but I also enjoy playing the, the guitar. <laughs> I, 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 whenever well, I hear people that are sometimes. actually good at it, I'm like, mm, I don't, you don't want to play with me. But, uh, but I do enjoy, I think music is very uh, relaxing. It's a good way to kind of it escape, is. escape all that's going on in your mind all the time. Totally. Um, okay. If people want to reach out to you, what's, what's the best way? What's the best way to get in touch? So you can go to my website, danontop.com. We've got over 150 episodes of the show, as well as property information and some educational resources. That's danontop.com. You can send me an email, dan at danontop.com. You can um, check out the CRE Pro course. That's CRE, like commercial real estate, procourse.com. My cell phone number is 248-943-2838. Again, 248-943-2838. And if there's any way I can add value or you just want to talk shop and real estate, please reach out. I'd be happy to be of assistance. Awesome. Final question, Dan, what, what piece of advice would you give to someone who's trying to get started in commercial real estate? What would you, uh, what would you tell them to, to help propel their career forward? Yeah. Invest in yourself. And that could mean reading. That could mean a hobby. That could mean a class or a course that could mean a mentor, whatever that means to you, invest in yourself, put yourself first. I think that we grew up thinking that if we put others first, everyone will win and it, it never works. In order to be successful and in order to give to other people, an individual themselves has to be solid. So put yourself first, invest in yourself and, and, and you know, don't, don't be afraid. You know, fear is an emotion that's, that's there to indicate to us when we need to pay attention to things, but don't let it stop you. I, I often tell people that many times parents, family members, close friends can be the biggest destroyers of dreams. If you believe in doing something, go out and do it. I'll never forget. I had a family member that told me, gosh, this was close to 10 years ago. Dan, you're not a mechanic. What she meant was, I'm not a, a contractor like her dad was. Uh, he was a plumber. Not a mechanic. You need to go back to a nine to five. You're not a house flipper. I know you like doing this. Stop it. And, and unfortunately, I did listen to her for a short amount of time. And, I, and then I just said, you know, forget this. Like, this is my passion. I love real estate. And thank God I didn't listen. Because had I listened, I wouldn't have what I have today. I'd still be working for a corporation with somebody else's name on the building. So, you know, I think that it's super important to surround yourself with good influences and good people, invest in yourself, and don't be afraid to not listen to people. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to believe in yourself. I think that's, that's fantastic advice. Um, well, Dan, thank you so much. I mean, this has been really good. Yeah. I appreciate, you know, kind of the, the, for my listeners anyway, the intro to Triple Net Lease, I think that's really good information and in, in hearing your story. So, so thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. We'll have to, you're going to have to return the favor though and come on my show. Yes, yes, I definitely will. I definitely will. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Have a great day. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. 
My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.